1: 97.1 FM Talk Podcast.
2: Wiggins, America. I am not a number.
3: I am a free man. Wiggins, America. The only thing I'm going to need from you guys right now
2: is a cup of coffee.
3: Wiggins. Today's global economy waits for no man. America.
1: Today's global business climate is like, whatever, dude. Hey.
3: Politics is a dirty game. I'm not sure we want to play. There are forces here at work that you couldn't possibly
1: understand. You have no idea how high up this goes.
4: Welcome to Wiggins America.
3: Right,
2: Tricia has been following this mystery maybe a little bit closer than I have, so I'm late to the game, but this was another... No? Finger I mean, no? as much
0: as everybody is this Well, week. I
2: didn't know anything about it, but... Kevin Wheeler stopped me in the, I, it sounds like I was walking through the kitchen and Kevin Wheeler's like, hey, Ryan, Ryan stop. You. Did you hear about this mystery in Kansas City? That's not exactly the way it happened. It's weird
0: because Kevin's been doing that to everybody this week.
2: Oh, okay. So Yeah, it's not he actually just got
0: pulled into the boss's office. <laughs> like, Kevin, you got to stop <laughs> your freaking people out. <laughs>
2: Yeah, your radio show uh, needs to be on the radio, not in real life. (laughs) nobody has time for that, Kevin.
0: Right. Calm down.
2: Um, So the story that we're referring to, and apparently we're both catching up on here, is this mystery in Kansas City. And I, I think part of the reason I'm so interested in this is because it has to do with the weather in Kansas City, which is very close to what the weather's been here. And so it feels a little bit more like it this does, is local. but the
0: whole thing's weird. Give us the like quick yep.
2: rundown. Yeah, okay. So a guy named uh, Jordan Willis was having people over for a Chiefs game on January 7th. He's in his late 30s. He had a couple buddies over, Clayton McGinney, who's 36, a guy named David, who's 37, a guy named Ricky, who's 38, and apparently one other guy that is not important to the story. Uh, he just had them over to watch the Chiefs game. Chiefs won. They're all happy. They probably had a few beers. We don't know actually. That's part of the story. Then they leave or those three guys at least leave. There's a fourth one who's stuck around for a little while who seems like a character who if this were a movie, you'd be like there's something up with that yeah, guy. Yeah, I had
0: this guy get away on speed.
2: But nobody's talking about that so these guy. So
0: there's three, so four friends are over at a buddy's house. Apparently the family say that they do watch games all the time. This is super normal. Three of them go missing.
2: Well, but Jordan, the guy who invited him, doesn't even know that.
0: Right, but three of them go missing for what, days, right? Yeah. Before anybody.
2: Yeah, at least two days before they find that not only are their cars still at his house.
0: And he doesn't know that. But they were parked on the street. So that's, that's part of the weirdness of the story. I don't care. I know my friend's cars. If I'm hanging out with them, I, I notice that their car is still there. I
2: would have to see where this guy lives to see if it's a busy street, and they parked a little bit away, and he didn't notice. But that is part of the story. But they find all three of the friends dead in the backyard of this guy's house. Yeah. it's It's been below freezing, so the bodies are fairly preserved. But if you recall, now, this is before things got really, really cold in the Midwest here, So it was only the night this apparently happened. It only got down to like 29, but they apparently froze to death in the backyard. Uh So what, what he's saying is he went to bed. Jordan goes to bed, says goodbye to his friends. Three of them are leaving. He says goodbye. One of them's hanging around. Maybe I don't know why those, those three guys then went somehow into the backyard and passed out, or maybe they hung out all, for a all while. All three of them
0: passed out. All back three there. of them. Yeah, that's how usually how that works. <laughs> all three they of went, them took a nap outside together. Go in the backyard. They're all. They're every part. Okay, I've been to parties. Okay, not everyone is that hammered. At no most parties. It, no. Sometimes there's one guy. Oftentimes there's one guy that could pass out in the backyard, but not three.
2: All three of them supposedly. And this is, I mean, not, not that he's saying this is what happened, because he's saying, I don't know what happened. But according to him, what would have had to have happened would be these three guys go in the backyard, I guess they keep drinking, or maybe they pop some pills or they do some drugs or something, and they get whacked out enough that they pass out, and then they freeze to death. That is an incredibly unlikely scenario. Right. And then you add the fact that he works from home, So it's not as if he got up the next morning and left and didn't look in the backyard. He had to have for two to three days not look in his own backyard and see dead bodies because he still didn't know nor see any cars that he recognized. So that's where everybody's like, this is suspicious. This guy is suspicious.
0: Well, the guy is suspicious. I, I almost give this guy a pass on the backyard thing. It's below freezing outside. You don't, I don't look in my backyard for days at a time, just the way my house is set up. I'd have to see how his house is set up. Right. I would notice my friend's cars. There's no way I wouldn't notice my friend's cars out there. Um, And I don't know. I, the whole thing's weird to me. The weirdest part to me is. The, uh, there's a quote that the police agency stressed that this case has not been ruled a homicide or sp- suspicious death because there were no obvious signs of foul play isn't this situation itself suspicious the situation is foul play it, something's it's suspicious. wrong like yes. even if there's no sign of even if even if we're just taking it at face value that these guys went out back fell had to all three took a group nap outside and froze that is suspicious like yes. what are you talking
2: about well and the other thing so his lawyer says, Jordan is unaware of how his friends died. Like the rest of us, Jordan is anxiously awaiting the results of the autopsy and toxicology, which they're doing, mm-hmm. which is good. They have to do that. So if they find out that these guys were like really, really super drunk or had taken something else that caused them to die, you know, what if they they were like, oh, let's pop this thing and it had fentanyl and it, it killed them, you yeah. know, that's that's a possibility. True but that that's pretty unlikely that it would hit all three of them all at once all at once all, all out back yeah and then the unlikelihood of him not noticing any of this mm-hmm. you know because even after you you hang out with your friends isn't it possible that one of them would text or you'd text each other in the next couple of days. I'm not saying that's the only thing. Well,
0: I mean, the these all these men had families. They all have wives or girlfriends or whatever. And those people would if they would know if my husband doesn't come home from his football watching party, I'm going to call the person who he was with night. last. Yes, that, that night, night. That night, I'm calling. Hey, our friends. And it's saying, one in the
2: morning. What are you guys doing? Have you doing?
0: seen him? Because I'm going to call the cops if you haven't. Yes, so like, I'm going to co- You know, do I need to come over? I'm driving by and. and Honestly, the families are like, what the heck? But I'm driving by if I'm the families that night looking for cars,
2: trying to in the in the rare, like everything falling perfectly here. Let's say all three of the the wives or girlfriends or families of these guys. And I don't know if all of them are even married, but let's say even one of them is or has a girlfriend or something. maybe she falls asleep before he gets home and thinks, oh, he's coming home. He may be passed on the couch. But then when you wake up in the
0: morning, something's still wrong. You call the police. You start looking. And the first thing the police do is go to Jordan's house where they say, wait, isn't that Brian's car whatever? Can we just walk around? Can we just take a lap? I just don't understand how it took so long to find these people. It is. It's It's so strange.
2: And the other thing is that even if... So let's say that Jordan is guilty here. Let's say that he had plans. something. I'm not something. sure he is.
0: I'm, I'm not actually sure Jordan is. I'm not sure that this other guy might be. This I don't the, know. The, the
2: weird other guy yeah, that nobody's talking guy. about? Or
0: there's some kind of cult that I don't know what's happening yeah. here. It's just weird. Anyway, so let's yes. say Jordan's guilty.
2: Okay, so let's say he is guilty, and he decided, I'm going to off my friends tonight. Or he's just going to push the boundary with them with some drugs or something. What is his motive For killing them or for even hurting them Mm -hmm. because he obviously has been friends with these guys for some time. They do this all the time. The Chiefs are in the playoffs. Like Uh It seems like you'd just be going, well, next week again. Why this moment (laughs) where you like, this is the time when I'm going to uh, push this boulder over the cliff? Uh You know? So it
0: doesn't like there is no clear motive and any kind of that's the whole like means motive opportunity thing. Right. So in that regard, Jordan's not a great suspect. Right.
2: But all of the things that he didn't do and notice Mm -hmm. make him a suspicious character.
0: And maybe it was just a weird, horrible accident.
2: I have a feeling that that's the way this is going to end. That they go, you know what, this was just a weird circumstance, unfortunate. These
0: three guys went out back, smoked a cigarette, like, yeah. clean up, you know, hang out a few minutes before and they head home.
2: Whatever, they are all affected by the same. <clears throat> mm-hmm. If they find some sort of drug in their system, that almost will ease my conscience about it a little bit. Like that
0: bit. they all, yeah, that they all took something. Yeah. That they were, yeah.
2: But it, it just, all the other stuff around it is so strange. Like you said, cause that's, I, I was thinking about all the things Jordan didn't do, mm-hmm. but you're right about even the families.
0: It took two to three days. That's weird to me. I would find, I would at least find that car by the night or the morning the next morning.
2: Exactly. Yeah, your car's gone. Yeah. Your husband or your boyfriend's gone.
0: I might not be able to find my husband in like Yeah. You know, a half hour, but I can find his car. But you're definitely
2: calling that guy or going to his house if you don't have his his number. Yes. And being like, dude, what is up? My Mm -hmm. boyfriend has not been home for two days. Yeah. He was here last. Where is he? Yeah,
0: it wouldn't take two days for me. It and would, he's just working. It would working. take hours. And Jordan's I'd,
2: just working like his yeah. no, I Get up on Monday and Tuesday. I'm just doing your job from home. And nothing's been, nobody's yeah. sounding the alarm. I, it's just no, The strange. families
0: and the police should have been at Jordan's house the next morning. What if you
2: find out that this is a huge conspiracy between all of them? And they all hated these three
0: guys. <laughs> like all the families. All the families.
2: Jordan, the extra this is, guy. I mean,
0: the whole thing is super sad because there are families. There are kids involved. It's a it's a weird deal. See,
2: I don't know anything about the I, yeah, I do so. a little bit. I don't okay. know names or how yeah. many kids, but I but do there know are that families. there are
0: families involved. Wow. Yeah.
2: Gosh. How nuts. Mm-hmm. How nuts. I hope we find out more just for the sake of this being so strange. I mean, we have no connection to them. So it's more of like a true crime podcast that we're watching. Mm-hmm. But, you know, these are people. It does seem a little bit worse because they're close. Like if this was in Oregon, you wouldn't think about it. It's like more relatable when like, yeah, yeah. it's a Chiefs game. Everybody kind of knew that that was going on.
0: Like we were all watching that game. The weather was similar,
2: (laughs) you know, here, you know. Anyway, well, I'm going to stay updated on this now that I know that it exists and was finding out about it this week.
0: Thanks, Kevin Wheeler. Yeah, thanks, Kevin
2: Wheeler. We'll be
3: right back.
4: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe
2: Well, I think if you listen to the show for any time, especially if you podcast the show, if you listen to a lot of it, you'll know that I will follow the facts wherever they go regarding these touchy issues like election interference slash election security slash past election improprieties, wherever they go. And if you think, oh, you, you know, you talk about this a lot, but I never really hear you give both sides. Well, then listen to the podcast because I have had on... Uh, The guy who sued Mike Lindell and won and beat him because Mike Lindell's claims, to me, and apparently to these courts, look ridiculous. Most of his claims are wrong. So if you follow the facts and you find out that somebody's making stuff up or they're just misled, which is what it sounds like Mike Lindell's been doing, he's been paying a lot of money to people who are trying to turn up things for him to justify their jobs. But they're not turning up anything legit. At least from what I've seen. Now, with that in mind, I've been following this case in Georgia, which was set to begin a couple weeks ago. Now, I'm I'm reading from the AP here. It says, trial set to begin Tuesday, but this is like two weeks ago now. uh, Stems from a lawsuit that long predates claims of election interference. It was originally filed in 2017. So this is <clears throat> this is pre 2020 stuff, okay? By several individual voters and the Coalition for Good Governance, which advocates for election integrity, way before the 2020 election, and targeted the outdated paperless voting systems used at the time in Georgia. Uh, the state in in 2019 prohibited the state. This judge. Prohibited the state from using the antiquated machines beyond that year. The state had agreed to purchase new machines from Dominion a few weeks earlier, but scrambled to deploy them ahead of 2020. So they still used the machines that the judge says you can't use in 2020 because of everything going on in 2020. Before the machines were distributed statewide, the activists amended their lawsuit to take aim at the new system. Okay, so this was on trial. The machines were on trial, uh, really getting their first true shake or at least a higher up because this was a lower court. So this this, uh, trial is taking place, and it is now ended. Now, there hasn't been any sort of judgment, but I will tell you that what we've found from this trial is very, very interesting. Because during the trial, and I'll read from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution here, it says, huddled around a voting machine, in a federal courtroom, a small crowd watched as expert witness Alex Halderman demonstrated how someone could meddle with a Georgia election within seconds. Halderman, a University of Michigan computer scientist, changed results of a hypothetical referendum on a that they just kind of made, made up. They made up a, an election between President George Washington and Benedict Arnold, and he rigged the machine to print out as many ballots as he wanted. All he needed to do this was a pen to reach a button inside the touchscreen, a fake $10 voter card he had programmed, or a $100 USB device that he plugged into a cord connected to a printer, rewriting the touchscreen's code. He did this all in front of everybody in the room. He, he, He said, it's easy, watch, and he just did it. Uh, Mark Nisi covers voting rights for elections for the Atlantic Journal-Constitution. He also reports on the Georgia House of Representatives and Government. So it's about the reporter there, just giving you some credentials. Uh, and another one here. So now if you're wondering what happens from here after they have shown the, the machines being tampered with in court, and I'm just giving you a straight report here. I'm not really adding anything. I'm just telling you what these reports say and what has happened because I want to keep you updated. You go okay. Well, I've heard all this. How does that impact 2020? Well, it doesn't because 2020 is in the rearview mirror. You say okay. Well, Ryan, well, how does that impact 2024? Well, <clears throat> this is from the Atlantic or Atlanta Civic Circle. It says U.S. Northern District of Georgia Judge Amy Totenberg has been conducting the bench trial, meaning there's no jury, since January 9th. After both sides have presented their case, which has now concluded, this article is from before that. Uh, She could decide to rejoin or prohibit the state from using its Dominion voting machine systems. Again, this is from the Atlanta Civic Circle, which could lead to Georgia voters choosing candidates by pen and paper in this year's presidential election in November. Such a decision could also impact voters in other states using the same voting machines for years to come through additional lawsuits or new policies. I will tell you the one good thing about this is that it's happening early enough in the year that if this judge says, yeah, and it looks like there's a history of her agreeing here. I, you know, I'm trying to walk through the whole history. Judge Amy Totenberg is overseeing this case. I'm trying to see, was she overseeing the one in 2017 is the, is what I was trying to find out. But I, I think that was a lower court. Um, but, If she decides that there are real ramifications here for the way Georgia votes, it could impact not only the U.S. presidential election, because Georgia is an important state, it could impact the way all states vote if they're using Dominion. And again, listen, I'm not slandering Dominion here. I'm saying these are the facts. This is what could happen according to multiple outlets. Got me? Okay. Presenting the facts of the case, as I like to do, and it looks like. There are some serious problems. I'll continue to report as I find out more, but that is what's happened in the last two weeks in this major trial in Georgia that could impact everything that nobody is talking about right now. Mark Cox, the famous one, is coming in next. Let's talk about Missouri.
4: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward.
1: Yeah, the, you know, I, there's nothing I can do about my parking spot. I'm just going to have to hump it uh, a few extra yards every day. And you know what? That's okay. I, I, they, they, while we are actually trying to fight for the unboard in this state, Caleb Brown and Cindy O'Laughlin are engaging in these petty games. And by the way, guys, this is, we found out last night. We, we found out last night. This has not entered the public discussion yet. We found out last night that in addition to taking our parking spots, there is an ongoing conversation. They're actually considering taking the furniture out of our, our Senate offices. What? <laughs> yes. Will you just they, sit on the floor?
0: They're going to make it sit on the floor.
1: <laughs> of
2: well, that's Bill Igel on none other than Mark Cox's morning show. And uh, this is Ryan Wiggins Wiggins America. Of course, I am from Illinois. So I'm a bit of an outsider watching what's happening in the Missouri legislature with some uh, consternation, I guess, because it's not directly affecting me. But these are issues that are very local, I guess statewide local. Um, But I, I brought in the expert himself. Mark Cox is here.
3: Well, thank you, Ryan. I appreciate the invitation.
2: Because most of the information that I'm finding out about what is happening in the Missouri legislature, which is crazy contentious right now. I've never seen it this contentious before, at least openly. Maybe behind closed doors this stuff happens. But I've never seen it this uh, this much drama in the Missouri legislature all at once and you and other people you know around here are much more well versed in and know these people so explain to me i want to know the timeline for somebody who's kind of catching up because that's me when the Missouri freedom caucus started that's kind of when all of this started to blow up right
3: yeah well they they originally called themselves the conservative caucus right down in Jeff City. Okay, okay. And they did things like push for conservative causes, things that were important for conservatives, you know, including uh, the trigger law, for example, that was pushed by Senator Andrew Koenig. He was a member of the conservative caucus, which, have, which triggered the ban on abortion once Roe v Wade got overturned i mean they are they are the people who in my opinion have gone to jefferson city and done what they promised their constituents they would do they don't generally go to jefferson city and get distracted because certain lobbying groups want them to make it sound good but in the end of the game not pass important legislation mm-hmm. that happens a lot in jefferson city and and then, last year, they announced near the end of session that they were disbanding the conservative caucus, and they it was gonna they gave the impression of it being a kinder, gentler approach to legislating. And a lot of people thought it was a you know they're just doing this because it, here's what happens um w- there's just what a super majority of Democrats in Illinois, right? Mm-hmm. They pretty much do what they want, yes. We have a supermajority of Republicans. One of your fellow Illinoisans said to me the other day to shop, sh- stop showing off my conservative state privilege by pointing that out. <laughs> but but it's it's not because it, it's dysfunctional, right? Yes. That just like in Washington D.C., there there are uh, people who run on a conservative platform. And then they govern with the go along to get along crowd once they get to Washington, DC. It's the same problem we have in Jeff City. Yeah. You've got people and and from all over the state. It's not just the greater St. Louis region who say one thing and then they get to Jeff City and they vote with with the swamp. Initiative petition reform has been the big issue here, right? So last year they promised they would get it done. I had Caleb Rowden, the Senate uh, leader, on my show a year ago talking so, about let it. Let me stop right there yeah. because I want to know who – I hear a
2: lot of names. I want to know who the key players are in this moment in both the Freedom Caucus and who are fighting against them.
3: Okay. So uh, that would be Senator Bill Igel. Uh, Senator Rick Bratton, Senator Andrew Koenig, are these are Freedom Caucus. These are the Freedom the 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 new Missouri Freedom Caucus, which it really was only formed and announced a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but but it's an offshoot of the Freedom Caucus in the House of Representatives in Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. They decided to set up a group in each state around the country, and so far, I think they have eleven or twelve of these set up. So so those are some of the key players who have been involved in this on on the Freedom Caucus side. Versus leadership in the Senate in Missouri, which, which is Republican, K- Caleb Rowden, mm-hmm. right, who's the Senate leader, and and Senator Cindy O'Laughlin, who is the floor leader uh, in the Senate. Okay. And
2: is so, the key issue this initiative petition, petition well, reform? It, it should be, mm-hmm. right?
3: And, and, you know, I think they've got some other key issues like vouchers for education and gi- giving people more educational freedom. But IP is the big one because here's what we know. In the state of Missouri, you can amend the Constitution with a simple majority. I don't know what that's like in Illinois. I can
2: tell you that the General Assembly has to vote on it first, then send it to voters. So it's very difficult. Well
3: But it's in Illinois. in Missouri... The legislature can do that. They can put an issue on the ballot, mm-hmm. uh, but the, the people can also put an issue on the ballot if they collect, uh, I think it's 175,000 signatures uh, before the deadline, which is usually March or April of an election year. The difficulty with it is it used to not be a problem. It's the way the system was set up it originally by in the Constitution. It, this is how it spells it out. If you're going to amend the Constitution, this is what you have to do. Somewhere along the line, a couple of years ago, outside interests realized by throwing enough money at it, you could buy your way onto the ballot. So you just spend millions of dollars to hire people at 20 bucks an hour to stand on a street corner and collect signatures until you have the number of signatures you need plus some. In case there are some that get thrown out, you still have a comfortable pad there. So your your initiative gets on the ballot. You can buy your initiative onto the ballot. It's a problem. And then if you don't have any organized opposition, you spend millions more, and this is out money from outside of the state of Missouri, spent in the state of Missouri, to pass bills into the Missouri Constitution that become part of the Constitution, the so state. Ultimately,
2: right? what you're saying is that outside interest outside of Missouri can, spe- can ultimately spend their way in to, into the Missouri Constitution. Yes. Which is a big deal. <laughs>
3: I know. So now they want to put abortion in there. Now mm-hmm. they've got an abortion initiative petition uh, funded out of the anger of Roe v. Wade being overturned that is going to make it okay, legal, that no law can be passed by the legislature overriding this constitutional right to end the life of your child. I oppose abortion, but but it's not just the abortion issue, the marijuana issue. For example, they bought their way onto the ballot. Yep. They spent millions of dollars in slickly produced ads that in that in many ways were very deceptive because this was a 200 page edition like the bill was two, it was hundreds of pages long. Nobody knew what all was in there. It basically benefited the marijuana industry, which and they they funded it. Right. Yeah. And the. Poor old sucker on the street that just wants the right to smoke a joint had no idea. All they cared about was that pot was going to be legal. Yeah, they don't care about how that happens. And they don't care about the medical costs or any of that that goes along with it. So so suddenly they bought their way onto the ballot, and with enough slickly produced ads to make it seem like it was a positive thing and no organized opposition, it became law. And now you have this giant drug lobby that's in the state. Excuse me
2: that has tons and tons of money that they didn't have before yeah. because yeah. they're making all the money from all this. And, I, again, the average person who wants to smoke a joint, they don't know about They don't care about any of this. They just wanted it legal. Well, there was ways to legalize it that weren't putting it in the freaking
3: Constitution. So in Ohio, they tried to pass an initiative petition reform effectively. Um, and everybody wants to say, well, you're only doing this because you, you're afraid that abortion is going to be – that the majority of people will want abortion protected in Missouri. This is a bigger issue. You should not be able to amend the Missouri Constitution with a simple majority vote. Um, make it a 56 or 57% threshold so that you have to get some buy-in from the other side in order to... Amend the Constitution. That's not even a super majority. I'm not saying 75 percent. I'm saying 56, 57 percent. Marijuana would have failed if it if you had, had to hit that that mm-hmm. threshold. That's what we want. That's what we want. Uh, in effect, in August of this year, before this other uh, vote comes up in November. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. If it's passed right now and put on the ballot for August, and we can get it passed. By the voters in Missouri, then it would be in effect for November. So any any initiative on the ballot would have to hit that 57, 58 percent threshold. Now, that's a target. They haven't named a specific percentage yet, but that's what I'm guessing it'll be.
2: So that's all why this is so important. Yes. I, I do want to know what the details of what has happened, because I'm hearing People being thrown off of committees. And I mean, these are people that we talk to, especially you guys do. It's nasty. Uh, And this is among Republicans who are trying to stop abortion, who should be unified on an issue like that. But there is so much fight in fighting. Explain to me why this is happening from both sides. Because I really would like to know what the Freedom Caucus is saying and then what Caleb Rowden and well, his the, people are saying. A, there's
3: a backstory here and there's a there's a lot of history between these folks that don't agree on things right now. And and they're angry that two years ago Bill Igel filibustered near the end of the session. It prevented probably a couple of bills that Should have gotten through that leadership wanted to get pushed through to not pass before the session expired because there was something Bill wanted that they wouldn't do. So he filibustered. So they're they're still angry about that from two years ago. So. So this is personal. It has
2: nothing to do with the people of Missouri in a way is was what you're saying.
3: A lot of it's personal. Okay. a lot of it's personal. And there's also some some disagreement on number one. Whether we need an initiative petition reform, and number two, what that should look like, right? Okay. Just to back up a little bit, you only have to gather signatures in six of the eight congressional districts. One proposal is, well, you should have to gather signatures in all eight congressional districts so it represents everyone. And, of course, the people gathering that don't want that because that <clears> means <throat> rural Congressional districts as well as the ones that contain St. Louis and Kansas City and Springfield. Right. It would make it more difficult if you had to do that. Plus, you would have the higher voter threshold. So, one, there have been various different versions of this, right? You get the impression that leadership down there doesn't want to wade into those waters. They're afraid. And I've gotten personal texts and stuff telling me they don't think they don't think the voters of Missouri would pass it to begin with. And they're not sure if they want to look as bad as they did in Ohio by throwing something like that on the ballot in August and then having it fail. And they think that would just add fuel to whatever happens in November on the abortion initiative petition. You see what okay. I'm saying? OK, OK. Because there would have to be two separate votes. <clears> OK. <throat> Does, does that does so, make so any sense? So that's, that's what the leadership is is saying. Leadership is concerned on a couple of points, but for some reason, conservatives have wanted this to be a priority from day one. We've been saying it since the end of the last session. You didn't get it done last year. You should have gotten it done last year. What you need to do on day one is send this to committee, have hearings on it, get a version that can pass both houses, and get it to the governor's desk so we can potentially vote on it in we could have voted on it in april probably but at the very least they can put it on in august mm-hmm. and there's just been no will to do that among leadership in in republican yeah. leadership in missouri that's no. very frustrating to those of us who are conservative and care about this cause
2: now this is really good to know because this is this is why i'm i wanted to have you here is to find out what exactly so it sounds to me and you can correct me if i'm wrong as we conclude here that, I will. That <laughs> I trust I just, that you will. I'm just will. kidding you, Ryan. I trust you will. That that everybody does agree philosophically with the direction that we should be going. Leadership, Freedom Caucus, everybody. It's, it's a matter more of how they're getting there. Is I'm that not, right?
3: I'm not, I'm not convinced that they all agree philosophically. See, that's what I'm concerned a, about. A poll was taken last year... Um, a public opinion poll on whether or not people would support initiative petition reform. And the result of it was lukewarm. Right. But but the question was not it was very generic. It wasn't do it. It it was do you support changing what it takes to put something into the Missouri Constitution, basically, without explaining that it it wouldn't be a supermajority. It wouldn't be some impossible goal to reach. It would just make it. A little more difficult because my argument's been to to amend the United States Constitution, whatever they pass has to then be approved by two-thirds of the states. That's that's us well above it's a, a supermajority. It's yeah. a high bar. The bar should at least be a little higher in the state of Missouri. So to answer your question, I'm not sure there's a general consensus among leadership. But it's an important issue, and when you get silly things like this this ridiculous marijuana law that they passed, um, I'm not saying I, I wouldn't have been okay with some version of it, but what they passed was <clears throat> silly, and it only passed because of the way people can buy their way onto the ballot and then produce ads that there's no opposition to, and there's nobody raising money to produce an ad on the other side saying this is a bad idea so they're only getting one side of the story and it's a you know super cleaned up glamorized their version of it and then it then it passes we shouldn't be able to do that well this is Beyond high drama,
2: there's a lot at stake here, and that's why I wanted to talk to you about it and find out exactly what's going on. I feel like I do actually have a much better understanding of what it is because you hear the headlines of so-and-so said so th- this thing, and then they lost their parking spot. And you go, okay, I know there's a lot more behind all this, and it, it, it really does. I mean, it affects big deal stuff in Missouri, what's happening right now between these
3: personalities it's going to affect what happens this entire legislative session if they don't fix what the problem is down there and a, and a lot of it's ego yeah. a lot of it a lot of it is one side just not wanting to let the other side get any win at all um, virtually nothing will get done this legislative session because even if the house passes bills they're going to send him to the Senate, and the gears of the Senate are just clogged right now. Yeah. They're just not moving.
2: Well, let's pray that <clears throat> egos get put aside, no matter who what they are and who they are, uh, for the best of the people that these people are representing. Mark Cox. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you be, being willing to come and explain this because I didn't know anybody else who would be able to do it as well as you. So thank, thank
3: you. Thank you, man. Always an honor to be on Wiggins America.
2: <laughs> thank you. So listen to the Mark Cox Morning Show coming up all this week. I'm sure there's going to be more drama, and hopefully it's moving in the right direction. This is Wiggins America. We'll be right back. out of time. And then Mark McCox, Mark McCox. <laughs> Mark Cox reminded me of this point that I never really got around to. It's easy for us to sit in St. Louis, pretty far from Washington, D.C., and definitely far from federal politics. I mean, how close are we to these things? We're not really knocking on the door of Washington and say, ah, that's the swamp, this is what they're doing, these are swampy people, and and they're evil. And there is probably truth in that. But when it gets closer, when you're talking about Missouri politics— or Illinois for that matter and you can see it happening a little bit not that I'm super plugged into Missouri especially but these people are more around here at the station you know they they they're literally in the office at times we do interviews with these people a lot more you can see how the swamp happens because a lot of times it's not people who are I- inherently wrong you know they have no moral compass Sometimes these are pretty good people. These are your relatives. These are the same types of people that you would be at the grocery store with, but they've gone into politics. And now they're in an environment where there's a lot of power at play and there's a lot of money. And then if there's any sort of nick in their armor, that's going to be exposed because they're on this stage now. And the higher you get, the more it's exposed and the more money there is, the more corruption so it's it's not always that these people are setting out to do evil. It's that they they kind of lose their way and I would say even in the things that me and Mark were just talking about a lot of the times what happens is the focus starts to become self rather than service. And of course, the second word in public service is service. That's the reason you got elected is to be a public servant. But it's very easy to do for those things, even if you have good priorities, for it to become more about you, what you might gain out of this situation, or even, you know, grievances, so that you're you're sort of doing the opposite. You're fighting against good things, and may not even be intending to. And I'm not trying to take a side by saying these things. Uh, I do have opinions on them. I, I just, I, I just. Hope that people in this situation in particular, and really in all public service, could put themselves and their own personal interests and their personal grievances <clears throat> excuse me, aside long enough to make things happen. I'm not even advocating for bipartisanship in saying this. I'm advocating for partisanship just in the Republican party to come together, put the past aside and put the people you're serving first. Hard part is, I'm sure all of them are saying that they are. We'll stop there. Let's get the podcast. Hey, eh? if you missed any part of this show, you can pick it up by typing Wiggins America into your search engine. And it comes up in several places. Thanks for listening. We will be with you again next week.
1: Get more at 971talk.com.
2: We really need new phones. T
1: Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch